Acts chapter number 10. We were here last night and we will continue on in Acts. Certainly I will not uh, uh, exhaust what's in this particular chapter. I want to say to this church how much Ann and I appreciate your kindness, your warmth uh, to us. Um, This church has had a major impact upon our lives, not just while we were here, but since the time that we've been here. Uh, Many of you I know, many of you I don't, Uh, but uh, each of you that I've had the privilege of Uh, being a part of your lives, whether it's been a major part or a minor part. Um, I want to assure you that each of you personally, individually, has had a tremendous impact upon me and upon my wife and upon our family. And I, I sincerely mean that I could go around and give testimony of each of the individuals here that uh, have, have affected me, I see your brother Tim and Pat in the back, and and uh, Sandra and and Jim, Mabe. Uh, I, I see Johnny and Becky, and how uh, oh, they've affected my life. Miss Jerry, I appreciate her. Miss Mahone and Joan and uh, Bill and uh, uh, Caroline. Yes, as well. And uh, if, if, if I don't see some of you that uh, were here when I was here, or when we were here, uh, I apologize for missing you. I really do. Uh, perhaps you have uh, changed in such... Oh, Randall and Vicky. How could I miss Randall and Vicky all the way in the back? I, my eyesight is not as good as it once was. Uh, however... Uh, uh, I want to say thank you. I I really mean that. Uh, This place is very special to me. And you have a very special pastor. Uh, A kind, generous, gentle man that cares for people. And he cares for his people. And I appreciate that so, so very much. And uh, Mel Mel and, and Gail Stitt. I just saw them. These glasses are foggy. But nevertheless, uh, it's, it's, it's an honor for Ann and I to be here and uh, all this week. And uh, um, we've, we've not been treated this well in a long time. And we appreciate that. We, we want you to know that. We honestly do. And uh, uh, God's been good to you. And I'm so glad of that. And God's been good to us. And that's because God's good all the time. All the time, God's good. Isn't he not? Amen. Well, here in Acts chapter number 10, we were here last night. And uh, just as kind of a little bit of review, we find that we talked about prejudice. And um, uh, back here in Acts chapter 10, we see that prejudice was not white against black, was not against rich or, or, or uh, rich against the poor. No, it, the prejudice was Jew against any non-Jew. 
which would be all of us, most of us, I would think. Uh, We saw that there was a searching Gentile soldier, that was Cornelius. There was a soul-winning gospel servant, that's Peter, we're going to look at him tonight. And we see a somewhat of a surprising Gentile salvation. And I think Cornelius is a perfect example of how religious or a morally good person, uh, no matter how religious or morally good they are, they can still be in a position of, of not being saved. Uh, there, there's a lot of good people around that aren't saved. You know some of them, according to man's standards. Um, there, there's some fine people out there, people that we'd like to be associated with, people that have influenced us in a good way, but yet they're still not saved. And uh, he, Cornelius, was a God-fearing man, He was a giving man, he was a good man, he was a praying man, yet he wasn't saved yet. You see, God cared about him. Peter is a Jew. He doesn't care for Gentiles. In fact, he doesn't care for Gentiles any more than any other Jew does. So God's been working on Peter. He's been preparing Peter. For the big task of getting the gospel to regions beyond. And you think about this, the fact that God had to work, uh, had, a, had a work to do on someone as great as Peter. And at this time, Peter was a great man, wasn't he? I mean, up to this point right here, I'd sure like to have been associated with him. A lot of us, you know, will say, well, you know what, I'm a lot like Peter. Are you? In some ways, in some ways we are. But in other ways, he could have a tremendous influence on on us. But yet, here's this great man, Peter, that God is working on to prepare him to the task of getting the gospel Beyond the region that is already left, that's already been affected. God wants it out beyond that. And the fact that God had to do a work on someone as great as Peter reminds us, I think, if we're really paying attention, that none of us have arrived yet. We, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we just haven't arrived yet. We're not where we'd like to be. Uh, prayerfully and hopefully that we're not where we were, that we're still growing, that we're recognizing that God has done a good work in us, as He promised to in the book of Philippians, but we're not there yet. We're, we're just not there. Just like Peter was not there yet. You see, Peter, Peter means rock. That's what that word means. And he was a rock of faith. There's no question about that. But Peter still had some rough edges. And God loved Peter and he was still chipping away. You got any rough edges? Huh? We, We try to keep them covered up, don't we? And most of us do a good job. Those rough edges. We don't like to show those off. We, we like to shine off the parts that are uh, 
shined up, you know. We, we like for folks to see that. And, and by the way, uh, we are to let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And Peter certainly did that. He, he had some good works, and God blessed. But we all have rough edges to knock off. Some sinful growths to have removed. They're not pretty. Uh, they're ugly. Peter preached his first sermon and 3,000 got saved. His second one, 5,000 was saved. Man, I'll tell you what, that's some preaching. Okay? And, and, and of course, he, he had that many people listening at least. The power of God was on this man. The, the power of God is on Peter in a rare and in an awesome way, un, unlike others. He's got an incredible healing ministry going on at this particular time, which basically exhibited the power of God upon his life. I mean, he had the power of God so much, and he had the reputation of the power of God upon him, that sick people would literally lie on the street, lie on the sidewalks, if they had sidewalks, and just hoping that if Peter passed by and his shadow would pass over them, that they would immediately be healed instantaneously just by the shadow of Peter. Back in Acts chapter 9, he prayed for a little girl who had died and God raised her from the dead. But in spite of all of this, Peter had a major vice to get victory over. He had some attitudes that needed some adjustment. Anybody here like that? See, if you don't raise your hand on that one, that's because it's a rough edge that kind of kept it down. See? And he still worked on Peter, even though he did a great thing, even though he was, had a great power upon his life. He was still working on Peter. And may I say, my friend, God's still working on you. And God's still working on me. And God is still working on your preacher. Say, so how do you know that? Because I'm still a preacher. And he's still working on me, and he's still working on all of us. And you know, when you stop and think about that, we, we ought to thank God that he's patient. You know, God gives us time to grow. He gave Peter time to grow. He gave Peter room to grow. He gives you and I room to grow. And my friend, you and I should be no less with our newer believers that we have the privilege of being associated with. We need to give them time to grow. We need to give them room to grow. Don't put them in a box. And when they've touched all the edges, they've grown. No, they haven't. 
God doesn't want them in a box. They need proper influence, there's no question. They need instruction from the Word of God, like we all do. We need room to breathe. We want to grow. We desire to grow. If you've been a Christian any, any, any length of time, you want to grow. And we have growing pains. I don't like to hear what my sins are sometimes. I don't, I don't really like to be confronted with my rough edges. But they're there. And God's still working on us. Even the Apostle Paul, who later would become perhaps the greatest Christian, the greatest missionary, the the greatest church planner, the greatest theologian of all time, he himself said, I count not myself to have apprehended. You know what he said? The Apostle Paul, he said basically, I've not arrived yet. I've not arrived yet. And like any church, like any church, you've had people leave who used to be a part of this church. Many of them left because they made an amazing discovery. They were surprised and they were astonished to find that their pastor wasn't perfect. And they began to focus upon his imperfections, which were there, could not be denied. And instead of focusing upon the Lord Jesus Christ, they missed out on the blessings of God of their church. And folks, I want you to know, and I've cleared this with him. No, I haven't cleared this with you. I was going to. But you don't have a perfect pastor fact, you never had a perfect pastor. Say, why? Because God was still working on your former pastors and your current pastor as well. See? And I think we, we need to understand that. Peter, as great as he was, was not perfect. And God was still working on him. God gave him time. God had patience upon him. He had a job, not just for Peter to be where he was. I mean, after 3,000 souls being saved, after another 5,000 souls being saved, brother, you talk about reaching a milestone, he did. Well, what a great preacher he was, God. He, he, he paid his dues. No, he didn't. God was still working on him. He had a, an amazing future for him. You see, in Peter's case... God had to do a radical spiritual surgery on his heart. The great Peter, God had to do... Hey, you know what? As as, as we look through the Gospels and we see Peter, we can see the rough edges, can't we? (laughs) We can see God needing to do a work on this guy. And as we watch his life through the Gospels, we see that he did. And we think, man, if God can do that with Peter, he can do that with me. And he has. If you've been saved for any length of time, you're still in church. God has worked on you. Give him the glory and the praise for that. But he's not finished. He's not finished with you. He wasn't finished with Peter. He was working on him. 
One man. I mean, you, you, you look at this chapter and the next couple of chapters, and you find God spent all this time on one man, Peter. Sure. But you know, God has all the time in the world. <laughs> and he could spend a lot of time, and he spent a lot of time with you. In molding you and making you. You see, God to do, had, to, had to do a radical surgery. He had to do, uh, he, he had to rotor-rooter some rebellion out of Peter. He had to pry away some prejudice. He had to do an arrogancy, angioplasty, if you would. It was, for Peter, it was open heart, insert love. For a lost and dying world, not just lost and dying Jews, but Peter needed to love more than just the Jews. And God had to do a radical surgery upon him. And God used two tools to do this in Peter's life. And he may use the same tools with you or others. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and I pray as we get back into Acts chapter 10 and take a look at Peter here and Cornelius that, Lord, we'll maybe get a glimpse of what you're doing in our lives. May we be excited to be submissive to you and allowing you to do a work that you've begun the day we accepted Christ as our Savior. And perhaps, Lord, there's some here tonight, if there's only one, that's enough that need Jesus Christ. You've yet to begin a good work because they've not allowed you to do that. And I pray, dear God, that you'll bless. And Lord, I pray for these that you've, we've been asked to pray for tonight. This lady, I think, who had uh, been diagnosed with Parkinson's. God, that you'll bless her and help her. And may this church be an encouragement to her. And Lord, for the, for the, uh, the nun, I believe, whose name is Rose, got a, uh, it sounds like we've got a new sister in Christ. And Lord, that she has some tremendous needs, and I, I just pray for her on behalf of this church. I pray, dear God, that each one here would have a walk with you and a closeness with you. A Lord, that would give us a hunger for your word, a hunger for your principles, a, a hunger for your direction and guidance in our lives. I pray, dear God, that you use this service tonight to help us in getting a vision that you have of reaching this world with the gospel that you gave us. And Lord, I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God used two tools that I can see here as far as Peter is concerned. He used a scalpel. You know, that's what doctors do. If they're going to do surgery, usually they, do a, they use a scalpel. And the scalpel that he used in Peter's life has a name, and his name is Simon. If you look back just maybe a page, maybe on the same page that you have there in Acts chapter 9, and if you look at verse number 40, it says, But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him uh, to the body said, Tabitha, Arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called, the saints and widows presented her alive. 
And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried, the he there is Peter, that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. Now, if you go over to chapter 10 and look at verse 6, it says, He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So here's Simon. He is a tanner. Peter is staying in his house. Simon opened his house. He needed a place to stay. And in chapter 9, he was there. Chapter 10, we find that he's still there in Simon's house. And God, we can see God providentially working this out to put Peter and Simon together. Simon is a Gentile. Oh, oh, oh. you know, listen, God will do things that you don't expect him to do, and you may not even like what he's doing. Okay? But Peter is forced to be with a Gentile, live with a Gentile. He is a tanner. He is a taxidermist. He is working with dead animals. As far as a Jew is concerned, he is unclean. Anything and everything about Simon, he's not kosher. Remember last night we said what kosher means? It's just according to Jewish law. And I mean, this guy, and, 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 and this is the kind of guy that Peter just couldn't stand. But yet here he is in his house, and God put him right next to this fella. That t- Simon was probably, and would have been, had he been a Jew, had probably been barred from the local synagogue simply because of what he was. If he was a Jew as a tanner, as a taxidermist, handling dead animals, they would not let him in the synagogue. But no, he's not only an unclean uh, individual, he's a Gentile. And uh, Peter was having a problem here, see. And when you stop and think about it, it's, 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 it's just wonderful how God can bring people together. Do you, do you realize there are different people in this room that if you did not have a common love for Christ, you couldn't stand each other? So, some of you barely tolerate me. <laughs> I can't understand why. You, you, you don't... Perhaps you don't have anything in common with your preacher other than Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. He's the glue. He's the bond. It's the love of Christ that we have. And we can see that in one another. We need one another. We, we, we can encourage one another. That's one of the blessings of the local church. Is getting Listen, you need each other in this church. Don't focus on the impurities. Don't focus on on the iniquities. Don't focus on those weak areas. Focus on what you have in common. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, perhaps He brings people in here that need Christ. They need to see Him. They don't know what you know. They don't know the Bible. And by the way, Somebody gets saved on Sunday morning, don't expect them to be a theologian on Sunday night. 
They don't know any more Bible Sunday night than they did Sunday morning. But now they're in the family. They're your brother. They are your sister. You see, you might be from a different ethnic background than someone else. You might be in a different social class. But my friend, when you come to church, the ground is level. Because God deemed it that way. God used the scalpel of Simon in this radical spiritual surgery. And he began to cut away the bad tissue. He began to cut it loose. Ah, but he used something else. You know, something else in a, in a surgery is not only scalpel, but there are forceps. And he used with Simon the forceps of food. Now, what Baptist here tonight doesn't know anything about food? Amen. You, you know, we laugh like that. We, we laugh about that uh, because we know it's true. I mean, we're always eating, right? And if we're not, we're finding reasons too, and, and we do it. And by the way, we need food, right? We just don't need as much, but, but we do need food. So what's happening here? Uh, as we read here, look at verse number 9 of chapter 10. It says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that called not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up, again into heaven. So what's happening here in this passage? Well, it's noon. And, and this massive uh, picnic spread is coming down from heaven. And, and this passage, my friend, is not primarily about food, uh, but it was a heavenly illustration to help Peter make a big change. This was God's purpose. He was focusing upon Peter. He wasn't focusing upon the food. And as a Jew, though, Peter was taught that he couldn't eat anything that wasn't kosher. What does kosher mean? Anything according to the law of Israel. Okay, the law of Moses. And Peter strictly obeyed the dietary restrictions of the Old Testament Jewish law. No pork. No fish without scales. No catfish. Ooh. But anyhow, that was part of Jewish law. And, and by the way, God didn't give uh, His people those Old Testament laws to be difficult or to make them miserable. Rather, those things were, were the best for them. Pork is difficult to digest. And if you just have a steady diet of pork... It's going to be dangerous for you. It's going to be harmful. Catfish are bottom feeders. 
which is where today are most of the toxins that's in the water. Uh, some people today observe much of the Jew Jewish dietary laws, not for religious lead, uh, reasons, but simply because of health reasons. They, they are healthy. I'm not advocating it. I'm not discouraging it. I'm just saying that many follow that today simply because it is healthy. It's a healthy diet. Well, one day Peter was up on the roof and he was praying. About noon he got hungry. And God confronted him with a vision. And this giant sheet with a smorgasbord in it started down from heaven. And none of it was kosher. Absolutely none of it. In verse 13, we say, And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, let me tell you something. There's two things wrong with Peter's statement here. He said this. He said, Not so, Lord. Now, folks, those words do not belong together. They just don't belong together. You can say no. Nothing wrong with that. And you can say, Lord, certainly nothing wrong with that. But they don't belong together, okay? Both together is a no-no, see? Now, I would assume that many here tonight call Jesus Christ Lord, which we should. But in some areas, you're also saying no to Him. If God speaks to your heart, and He's urging you in a certain direction... And you don't go, you may not say it verbally, but you're saying, no, Lord. <laughs> no, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. If God speaks to your heart in an invitation in a church service, and you do not respond to Him the way you know you should, the way He wants you to do, you're, you're just like Peter. You're no different. In fact, you, you've got the same rough edges. Okay, And we say, no, Lord, no, 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 not so, not me. Who, who me? No, not me. Uh, you, you must have got somewhere, something mixed up here. It, it, maybe it's her or him or, or whatever. But no, Lord, no, not me. And I want to tell you something, my friend. Christians know how to say no to God. He'll speak to our heart. If we're at odds with a brother, brother, we won't say nothing. We will not apologize. We will not ask for forgiveness. We'll not got, get right with that individual there, no matter what the Holy Spirit will tell us. And we say, not so, Lord. Now, we won't say it out loud. And we'll be very calm. Be very meek. And we'll stand there, and we'll sing the invitation hymn. But our spirit is crying out, Not so, God. No! I'm not doing that. I'm not doing what the preacher preached on. I'm just not. Say, I'm, I'm just not. I don't know who is and who isn't. And by the way, if nobody is, then I'm just preaching to the wind, okay? I'm just preaching to the wind. Maybe he's dealing with you about being faithful in church attendance. Maybe he's dealing with you that it's time for you to take a step to the next level. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been in a certain Sunday school class for a long time, and God's speaking to your heart about maybe being your teacher's assistant. 
Maybe there's an opening in a Sunday school class because someone's ill or someone is, has perhaps moved away. And there's an opening and God says, I want you. And you say, no. Perhaps it's time for that. Maybe God's speaking to you about witnessing. Maybe He's speaking to you about inviting someone to church. Maybe that you don't like. Maybe He's speaking to you uh, about the ministry, about being called into the ministry. Whether it be preaching the gospel or, or, or going to a Bible college and, uh, or going to a mission field in preparation for you don't know what right now. Maybe He's speaking to you about your tithing. You've not yet fully begun to tithe and, and man, that just goes against your grain. And you're saying no. Maybe He's speaking to you about your faith promise, mission giving that's going to be addressed this, this Sunday. And maybe He's speaking to you about a, a larger amount than what you'd planned on. I remember the first missions conference we had here. Remember, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, those of you who were here, we had a big banner up here, and Robert Meyer. And I put, his name is Robert Meyer. And he was a missionary to Australia, and then he became the director at, at BIMI. And I put on there all the names of the missionary. And I put on there Bob Meyer. And he let me know within five minutes of seeing that sign that his name was Robert and not Bob. So every time I see him, I say, hey, Bob, how you doing? <laughs> and he grins just like you laughed, and that's fine. But I remember in that particular conference, I'm not sure, I, I can't remember if it was... Uh, uh, the, the first faith promise of this church or not. I, I really don't know. It may have been. It may not have been. But we talked about faith promise all week long. And uh, the faith promise was given or received on Sunday. And um, it, it was, I thought it was a, a wonderful faith promise. I mean, this was the beginning and it was, well, I was excited about that. And that told us what we could do. Later on, I got this testimony from a lady in our church and she said you know God was dealing with me all week about faith promise and he laid a figure on my heart and that was just too much I, I could not afford that I really could not afford that and I argued with God all week long and it came time for the faith promise on Sunday and he just wouldn't leave me alone about it so I put it down and I thought Lord you it's it's you, you got to supply it I I just don't have this. She went to work on Monday. The faith promise was received on Sunday. And on Monday she goes to work. Her boss calls her in and, and tells her, says, um, I've got another job that I need for you to do. Would you be willing to do that? I know it's going to take a little extra time, but would you be willing to do that? And she said, yeah. He told her what the job was. And she said, yeah, I can do that. And he, he just really appreciated it and was very kind to her and she gets up and she goes to her office or cubicle or whatever she had and she began to do her regular work along with this other assignment that she had later on in the day uh walking down the hallway or something she her boss is there and they seem to pass and he stops and he said hey gina he said uh, i want to thank you for taking on that assignment said uh, but did i mention to you that uh you would receive a raise because you did this? And she said, no, sir, you, you didn't mention that. And he said, well, you are, and uh, here's how much you'll be raised every week. 
Anybody want to guess what her raise was? To the penny, exactly what her faith promise was the day before. Now, folks, listen, I'm not saying it's going to happen to everybody. Okay. But if God tells you something, don't sit there and say, not so, Lord. Mm-mm, ain't no way. Excuse my English, Mrs. Joe, but I apologize for that. But she, 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 she did it with fear and trepidation. I may remember Gina Faust. That's the lady. And I was just, I was just so happy for her. And I was just so happy for that testimony of how God used her. Maybe God's speaking to you about a certain amount. And, and you say, you know what? I don't have it. Let me encourage you. This is faith promise. Let me encourage you to say, yes, Lord. And by faith, when you give, trust God to replace it. You can't give what you don't have. But you can give what you do have. And maybe you can't afford it. But it's not based upon your affordability. It's based upon your faith. To have discernment to know what God is doing. Listening to what He has to say. See? Listening to what He has to say. What's He dealing with you about? See? Notice verse 14. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. You know, there's eight words that will kill a church. You've heard them. Maybe you've said them. Here's the words that will kill a church. We ain't never done it this way before. Honestly, how many have ever heard that? Yeah, okay. How many have ever said that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of us have, okay? Or, or you know, uh, uh, we never done it that way before. Another word that we always use that we shouldn't use is the word always. Well, we always did it this way. You see, God is getting ready to do something new in the church in Peter's life. He's going to unveil a new program that reveals that under the blood of Christ, there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. There's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. And my friend, in God's eyes, there's no difference between the rich and the poor. There's no difference between the black and the white. There's no difference in people. They have a soul that's going to live eternally. And he is preparing the Peters of our day to reach out to those individuals. To reach them. You know, if we, if we want to see different results, we, we sometimes have to do something different. And there's no room for the word never. Somebody said insanity. The definition of insanity. You know what it is? Doing something the same way over and over and expecting a different result. That's insanity. You want a different result? Do something different. Don't do the same thing because you're going to get the same result. 
You see, if Peter would have kept on doing what he'd been doing, Gentiles wouldn't have been reached. We, he would get no different result. He'd still see Jews. I think he'd still see Jews being saved. But what about the Gentiles? You see, Peter has, has locked his thinking into a small box, and God is in the process of breaking him out of that. You see, our message, my friend, and I'll use this word, our message should never change. It's not a place for, uh, it's not a bad place for that word never. But our message should never change, but our methods should. Our methods should. I would imagine, I don't know, this church is like any other church, I would imagine that when these monitors went up, some were thinking, oh no, we're going liberal. TV, oh my goodness, TV in the church. Now, I don't know. Okay. I think I got an idea, though. <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is, it is something different. I'm sure it has changed maybe the service to a degree. And I would imagine that there were some who possibly have maybe been opposed to that, that they've been blessed by this, but they've yet wanted to acknowledge it. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt not have technology in your church. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. It does not violate a principle of the Word of God. It does not take away from the glory of God. In fact, at times it can enhance it. We're here to worship Him. We're here to honor Him. We're here to glorify Him. And if we do something different that we've never done before, oh, you'll get a result that you never had before. And chances are it'll be a good one. And by the way, if it doesn't work, get rid of it. You know? Get rid of it. Look at verse 15. And the voice spake unto him again, The second time what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Now these animals in this sheet that came down represented all the people that Jews thought were unclean. All of the ethnic groups that they looked down upon. Peter, at this time, he felt superior to all those people. He, he felt superior to all those Gentiles. He was taught that he was. He was a Jew. I mean, this is God's people. They're not God's people. We're God's people. We're somebody. And he felt superior. That's what he taught. That's what he knew. But God says, basically, they're all the same in my sight, my friend. See? And my friend, that shattered Peter's prejudice. God had already began to use the scalpel of Simon to cut away that malignant prejudice in Peter's life. And now, with one, with one swoop, he removes it completely with the forceps. Divine forceps. Never again should this be a problem for Peter. 
We sing the song to the children, do we not? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Is that true? Well, you know what? Jesus loves the old folks in the world, okay? He loves the adults, doesn't he? He loves those that you might not like so much. I heard a preacher say one time, I know God tells us we're to love everybody, but there's some people I just don't like. Can you identify with that? Yeah, we can. But God removed all the barriers with Peter. He'd already done a, a work in him. And the fact of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, that we're all unclean by virtue of sin. We all are sinners. We're all the same in the eyes of God. And we can all become clean only through the blood of Jesus. That's all. Just, just through the blood of Jesus. Listen, God is not complicated. He simplifies just about everything for us. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, that means anybody. God is no respecter of persons. Anybody and everybody that walks through those doors ought to be welcome in your church. I'm sure your pastor tells you that. They're welcome here. They may not be the same as you, but they ought to be welcome. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. Might as well be heaven, don't you think? They need to hear the gospel. They need to see the love of Christ. They need to experience the love of Christ through the people of God that are told to love them. And that's what God wanted Peter to do. Every ethnic group, every culture, every social class, every color ought to be welcome here at Fellowship Baptist Church. God doesn't want this to be a white church. He doesn't want it to be a black church. He doesn't want it to be a rich church. He doesn't want it to be a poor church. He he doesn't say that Fellowship Baptist Church, I want it to be a a white-collar church, or a blue-collar church, or a rich church, or a poor church. Everybody is welcome at Fellowship Baptist Church. Are you Peter tonight? Is God working in your heart? Is God trying to do a surgery? Has God got the pull, uh, forceps and He's tugging and He's pulling and He's got things that you need to get out of your life? Listen, we have no right to reject those that Christ has already accepted. We have no right. God, God wasn't just changing Peter's diet. God was changing Peter's heart. And therein lies our problem. We know a lot. But what about the heart? It, to- it takes a whole lot more than just a change of mind. It has to reach your heart. One man said, I had a book knowledge of God. I believed in Him, but it hadn't reached my heart yet enough to believe on Him. What was he saying? It reached his head, but it hadn't reached his heart just yet. And I'm not talking about the pump. I'm talking about the real inner man. 
Somebody said, don't miss heaven by 18 inches from here to here. Don't miss heaven by 18 inches. My friend, if you're not saved tonight, God will accept you. But does he have your attention? God wanted to get Peter's attention, and he got it. What's he have to do to get your attention? Does he have to drop down something from heaven to get your attention? That'd be neat, wouldn't it? Huh? To know something came down from heaven? He's already done it. Huh? He's already done it. In the form of Jesus Christ coming to live and die for you here in this earth. He came from heaven, my friend. He, he came and was, was laid in a manger. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Not a sheet, but it's wrapped in swaddling clothes. You see, Peter was doing there in Joppa what he believed God wanted him to do. And he was doing what he was doing very, very well. He had a lot of practice. And, and he was doing what God wanted him to do, doing it very, very well. But there was more that God wanted him to do. Now, folks, listen, I realize that there are times when, man, we, we get weary in well-doing sometimes. We're not supposed to, but we do. But, but the fact of the matter is, you know what? God has prepared you for what you have been doing. He has prepared you for what you are doing. And He is preparing you. He's used that to prepare you for what He yet wants you to do. He's got more for you to do. He had more for Peter to do. It wasn't, I mean, Peter's done great things. And some of you might think, well, you know, I haven't done anything great like that. Ah, but you're on the precipice. You're, you're right where God wants you because He's been preparing you to do something for Him. Now, it may not hit the newspapers. But I want to tell you something. If you get part of that great commission, it'll shake heaven when people start to come to Christ because of your involvement. Say, Peter was doing what he believed God wanted him to do. And God said, that's good, Peter, but I want more out of you. God was not only wanting to save Cornelius, but he wanted Peter to grow as well. He cared about Cornelius' soul, but he cared about Peter. And I don't think that Cornelius was aware of how God was conforming Peter at this very time. And I don't think Peter was aware of what God was doing in a man in Caesarea and how he was going to be the answer to his prayers. You ever been an answer to somebody's prayers? How many have been an answer to somebody's prayers that you know of? I'm not asking you to brag. I'm just saying somebody's told you, you know, you, you were an answer to prayer. Anybody? Do what God would have you to do just like God told Peter what to do. And by the way, if you pray, 
You're asking God for a need or, or for want. And you're praying about something. Don't tell God how to answer that prayer. He might want to answer it, but he wants to answer it different than you thinking about. Let God be God. You see, Peter was, or I'm sorry, Cornelius was praying. He had no idea how God was going to answer his prayer. Peter had no idea of this man named Cornelius uh, that God was going to use him to answer his prayer. And sometimes we'll pray and, and we'll ask God and we'll say, Now, God, here's my prayer. Now, here's how you need to do it. And then when God answers the prayer in a different way, sometimes we'll stand back and say, hmm, I'm not sure that was God. And if that wasn't God, I'm not sure I ought to accept that or, or do that or, or, or whatever. Don't put God in a box. Let God be God, see? Peter wasn't expecting what God was going to tell him. He wasn't expecting that at all. He wasn't looking forward to that. You see, we're, we're not always aware of what God is preparing us for. We're not. When He's working in our life, we, we don't know why, he's, why He allows this. Why, why he's do, what's He doing this for? What's He speaking to me about this for? I don't get it. We're not always aware of what God is preparing us for. In fact, what God's preparing us for, it may be the near future. Just like He was preparing Peter for that day. That day He was going to go. To Caesarea. But there's times when he's, he's preparing us for the distant future. I mean, listen. He worked 80 years on Moses for what? To lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. 80 years! Man, that took a lot of work. It took, I won't say it took God, but God took 13 years to prepare Joseph to be the second in command in Egypt. Didn't he? Yeah. So God might be preparing you today for something tomorrow. But he may be preparing you today for something tomorrow. Several years down the road. God can tell you. God, God can make you. God can mold you. God can prepare you for whatever it is he wants to. And when we wait upon the Lord, listen, God's not going to be too late. He's going to let you know, not according to your time, but according to his time. I wonder how many times Cornelius prayed to the God of heaven. I wonder how long it's been since Cornelius was waiting on God to answer. I don't know. But I know one thing. Peter didn't have to wait. God said, arise and eat. In other words, Get on down. You're going to have some folks get knocking on your door. You go with them. That day. So we just have to be walking close to the Lord. We need to get serious, my friend, about what God is doing in our individual lives. Dealing with our prejudices. Dealing with our priorities. Dealing with our pride let's let's get serious about missions about our missions here on this earth locally 
and around the world. You can pray. You can give. And you can go. And by the way, you can say, yes, Lord. You can say, not so, Lord. You can say, no, Lord. That's your choice. But just remember, whatever it is that you choose, you cannot choose the consequences. That's determined by God. Let's get serious about it. You see, Peter was one person. At this time, he no doubt, God no doubt was was dealing with the other disciples as well, but not about this. But here was one person that God was working in, so because he wanted to work through him. Look, Look at Acts chapter 10, look at verse number 19. While Peter thought on this vision, on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men uh, which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house, and to hear words of thee. Look at verse 33. Jump down to verse number 33. Let me turn the page here, and we'll get to verse 33. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee. This is these three men talking to Peter, Uh, what Cornelius says, or, or Cornelius is saying this, Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Man, I'm glad you're here. I sent for you, and I'm glad that you're here. Verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth. And what did he say? You read the rest of that. We won't read that tonight. But you read the rest of that, and, you, and, and you'll find that Peter told him the gospel. Peter preached the gospel to him. Now look at verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the gospel, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Paul said to the Romans, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so, so the Bible says the Holy, Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter. Who came with Peter? Some of the other Jews. They were amazed that the Holy Ghost came upon these Gentiles. you got to be kidding me. They're looking at each other. Did you see that? Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter, then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should be not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as we as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Hey, can't you stay a little longer, Peter? Man, we, we've prayed and, 
and, and we've asked God, and, and He sent you. He, he sent you. Man, what a blessing. And some of them may have said, you know, I, I don't know exactly what happened. Could you, could you stay a little longer and tell us? Could, could you stay a little bit longer? Peter, we just, we, we just like to spend a little bit more time with you. What do you think Peter thought? You think Peter thought, these bunch of Gentiles, unclean, good night, Irene. I mean, come on. You see, God had prepared his heart with Simon. He spent day in and day out with his Gentile. And now he's got a different picture now of Gentiles. He sees a vision from God. He goes to Caesarea. And Cornelius and many of his household received Christ as their Savior because they just simply heard the word of God from an obedient servant of God. And it changed their life. Because of one man. You talk about the power of one. The power was not Peter. The power was God. Had Peter continued to say, Not so, Lord. No. Cornelius would be in hell today. Or maybe God would have chosen somebody else for that blessing. And he, he very well could have. See. Think about this. Peter reached his Jerusalem. He reached his Samaria. Here. I'm sorry. He reached his, his Jerusalem. He reached his Judea. And here he's reaching his Samaria. And eventually, we'll see Peter in the uttermost parts of the earth. All because God was still working on him to get the Word of God out a little bit farther. And I dare say, my friend, God's working on you. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Paul said to the Philippians, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what your health is. It doesn't matter what your wealth is. What matters is that you have a God that loves you and cares for you and is not finished with you until you see him face to face. You haven't seen him yet. So he's still working on you. Amen. We've got a world to reach. We've got a, a, a city, a town to reach. We've got a county to reach. We've got a state to reach. We've got a country to reach. We've got a world to reach. I mean, it's God's commission. We have God's power and direction. Be a part of that. Don't say no 
to the Lord. Say yes with faith and, and, and confidence in Him and His Word.